0: Back to the Locks on Diamondbacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24. MyPortfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 from my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, all that good jazz. So thank you. The podcast is free and available on all platforms. So please continue to do what you do. But on today's podcast, what are we talking about? Well, The D-backs have six players that are arbitration eligible, so we're going to be looking at those salaries, the projected salaries, based off MLB trade rumors, telling you if it's too high, too low, better options if the D-backs decide to go another way. We're just going to be breaking down the numbers today, so we got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about on today's pod, but first... (laughs) Daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas here, still of Locked On Diamondbacks, and there are six players we're going to be talking about today that are arbitration eligible. That is Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly, Caleb Smith, Christian Walker, Noah Ramirez, and J.B. Wendelkin. And we're first going to start with the Cardinals boys, and that is Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver, both acquired in that Cardinals trade for Paul Goldschmidt. And I first want to start with Luke Weaver, probably maybe the most intriguing guy. He's definitely not the best player on this list, but I think he might be the most intriguing Diamondback on this list and for. The people out there who don't know what arbitration eligible is, it covers the MOB service from years four to six if there's no pre-signed extension covering those years. So this is the time where the player, the team, they go inside a little room, they meet with some lawyers and they say, the team says, this person should be paid based on these stats and no, these requisite numbers and the player and his agent says, no, our player has done this X, Y, and Z. Look at other players making this amount of money we believe our players should make this much so this is what arbitration is six players on the d-backs are arbitration eligible to go to these fun hearings and listen to the uh, to, to listen to the team basically just roast them for 3 hours as to why they should be paid less and not more so this should be a fun time arbitration it doesn't usually get messy but once again These players are people, and they're going to get their feelings hurt a little bit in these arbitration hearings, especially when the team is like, hey, we shouldn't be paying this guy this much money, especially when they're getting compared to other players that the player might not think is as good as them. For the team to say, you shouldn't be paid more than that guy, that could hurt the player a little bit. But enough of that. Let's get into Luke Weaver. I was probably just rambling and ranting anyway. Hopefully, I sounded coherent. But let's talk about Luke Weaver, because according to MLB Trade Rumors, his projected salary is $2.7 million. He agreed to a $1.95 million contract before the start of the 2021 season to avoid arbitration, so this is his second time going through arbitration. Luke Weaver, that $2.7 million price tag isn't a lot for someone you might think of with the pedigree of Luke Weaver, or at least the upside, but when you look at Luke Weaver's career, he's been mostly disappointing, and the reason why it's only about an 800 k bump is because this man had just not been available enough for the D-backs. He has not pitched over 100 innings since 2018. And a lot of these stats today are courtesy of Venom Strike. So shout out those guys over at Fansided. But Luke Weaver hasn't pitched over 100 innings since 2018. And if you look at his last three years, just the innings pitch, 2019, 64 innings pitch, season cut, Short due to uh, elbow injury. 2020, 52 innings pitch because it was a 60-game season. And the last year with a shoulder injury, only pitched 65 innings. So this man has not pitched a lot. He's barely pitched over 100 innings combined over the last three years. And this is someone who we've seen have upside before. In 2019, this guy was phenomenal for the D-backs. He gave everyone the tingles because we believe that Paul Goldschmidt trade may end up working out for the D-backs. You get back Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver looked really good in 2019, the best Luke Weaver we've seen yet. In 2019, Luke Weaver, over 64 innings, as I've already said, 294 ERA, 69 strikeouts. We always like to see a round number like that. (laughs) Wink, wink. And Luke Weaver, since 2019, he just hasn't looked the same with injuries and I think his confidence has been a little shot as well. The dude just has not performed the same in 2020 in the shortened 60 game season. He had 52 innings pitched, 12 starts, and he just wasn't that good. 2021 wasn't any kinder to him in 2021. He had a 4 2 5 year, right? 4 4 2 FIP, 58 hits, 20 walks, 62 strikeouts. It's just not the same guy we expected the last two years, that what we saw from in 2019 is strikeouts per nine innings has dropped from 9.7 in 2019 to 8.5 strikeouts per nine in 2021. A big part of that is because Luke Weaver has become basically a two-pitch guy over the last three years. In 2019, 52% of his pitches were fastballs, 25% percent changeups, 14% cutters, and 9% curveballs. Look at 2020, fastballs, up to 54% from 52, change ups went up to 27% from 25, cutter went up to or cutter went down to 12% from 14% and curveball went to 7% down from 9% and if you look at 2021 those numbers changed even more. Fastball went from 54% to 62%, changeup went from 27 to 30%, cutter went from 12% to 6% and the curveball went from 7% to 2%. So basically Luke Weaver said, "90% of my pitches are just going to be the fastball and the changeup and whatever works, whatever happens happens." And It has not been good for Luke Weaver, and it makes you question, can this guy be a long-term starter in a rotation with 90% of his pitchers being either a fastball or changeup? I'm not too sure, but for a $2.7 million price tag, I'm sure the D-backs would like to find out, especially when you consider they gave up Paul Goldschmidt to get this guy. So Luke Weaver will be coming back around that salary most likely. Next up, Carson Kelly. This will be his second year of arbitration as well. He avoided it last year when he signed a $1.7 million deal. And he's projected to get $3 million. So basically a a double bump in his pay. He's basically going to double his money. And I think he was... I think he's deserving of it because two of the last three years for Carson Kelly have been pretty damn good. Of course, he struggled in 2020 and like the whole team struggled in 2020. I've been throwing 2020 out. And even though he struggled in the shortened season, his OPS plus, his OPS plus was 73, which was still above average for an MLB catcher. So even bad Carson Kelly still tells you he's above average offensive catcher. And mostly his 2021 season can be attributed to one thing injury the first half of the season pre-injury Carson Kelly was dominant opening day to May 13th Carson Kelly had four doubles six home runs he had 19 RBIs 23 walks and 333 average this man was crushing it he was getting on base it felt like every time he stepped up to the plate and he never struck out but after he went on the injured list for a little while missed a few weeks Carson Kelly came back on May 25th and just did not look the same the second half of the season. 205 average, 277 OBP, 339 slugging, only seven home runs, 27 RBIs. It just wasn't the same guy. But overall, he still had a 240 average on the season, 754 OPS, and his 104 OPS plus was above average for a catcher in 2021. The average was only 49, was only a 49 OPS plus for catchers in major leagues in the 2021 season. So despite the struggles in 2020 this guy despite the struggles in the second half of 2021 the numbers show you even when this man struggles he's still an above average offensive catcher in baseball his war was still 2.2 in 2021 despite that second half so I'm not worried about Carson Kelly at all. He threw out 27 or 23% of the base runners in 2021. He's consistently getting better. He's consistently improving. I saw a lot of strides from plate discipline from him in 2021. He seemed to have a little confidence and swagger back. He was one of the most trustworthy guys, I believe, the D-backs had in the lineup. And if you look at potential replacements for him, as a catcher on this roster, it's Dalton Varsho. And then after that, they added a Jose Herrera to the 40-man, but I don't think he's ready to replace a Carson Kelly anytime soon. I think Carson Kelly is going to be the catcher of the future. He's still like in his mid-20s. I don't think he's going anywhere. Of course, you got Dalton Varsho there, but what we've seen from, this, from Dalton Varsho this past year, I mean, he could play outfield, infield. He can pitch. He can hit. He can manage. Like, Dalton Varsho can do it all. So for a $3 million price tag to get one of the best offensive catchers in baseball by the numbers, I think Carson Kelly bringing him back is the smart move by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, we'll talk about two more players, and I'm going to call them the C-Boys because it is Christian Walker and Caleb Smith. Both of their names start with a C in case you didn't get it, so we're going to be talking about those two in the second segment today, but did you know today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline? We're back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Now, let's get back into the podcast. Let's continue discussing arbitration-eligible players because coming up next is the C-Boys, Caleb Smith and Christian Walker. I first want to start with a Caleb Smith because not many guys on this D-backs team are more frustrating and infuriating to watch than Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith agreed to a $1.465 million contract last season to avoid arbitration. He's looking at a projected salary of $2.1 million. And if you're asking me, is Caleb Smith worth $2 million? The question, or I guess the answer to that question, if you're asking me once again, is Caleb Smith worth $2.1 million? The answer I have to give you is... Is he starting or is he relieving? Because Caleb Smith as a, tar- as a starter should probably be pitching in double A or something like that. Like Caleb Smith should be pitching in Korea or the Dominican League. Like Caleb Smith is not a good starter at all. He walks a ton of people. He gives up a lot of hard contact. And he loves to give up home runs. He's basically Robbie Ray with way less strikeouts and he does strike out people at a pretty good rate too but he's no robbie ray uh, he's all the bad sides of robbie ray with just a little bit of the good qualities of robbie ray at least as a starter but as a bullpen guy he's a legit lefty specialist this guy when you look at the splits it's like why, why does this man ever start i believe the d-backs really started this man to lower the price tag on his arbitration and to maybe 10 games like there was no other reason for the d-backs to take him out of the bullpen when uh, they did, because it, the sample size is there. Caleb Smith is not a good starter, but he's a damn good reliever, because if you look at the splits, his his numbers as a starter this year, Caleb Smith, 6.95 ERA, 57 innings pitch, 44 earned runs, 14 home runs allowed, 830 OPS allowed, and a whip of 1596 65 strikeouts. He gets crushed as a starter, but Out of the bullpen? Caleb Smith? Uh Uh-oh, we got ourselves a different man. 2.7 year, right? 32 games, 56 innings, only 17 earned runs. Only six home runs allowed. And he, do I have any other stats written down for him? Oh, 23 walks, 59 strikeouts, and a 1.147 whip. An opponent OPS of 615. Just think about that. 615 OPS against as a reliever. 830 OPS against as a starter. And once again, 57 innings as a starter. 56 innings as a reliever. 6 home runs as a reliever allowed. 14 home runs allowed as a starter. Like it's night and day. He's pretty much has the same innings pitch as a starter and a reliever and he's double triple times as bad when he's starting compared to relieving. I could see why the Marlins weren't afraid to give him up. Like if you're getting back a Starling Marte, I would do that I would do that deal too if I'm the Marlins so the D-backs have him now. If the D-backs plan to use him as a lefty specialist out the bullpen, he can throw strikes. He's the guy that averaged between 9 and 10 strikeouts per 9, depending if he was a starter or a reliever. This guy does have some talent. There is some skill. And the numbers show you his velocity goes up when he's a reliever because, of course, you can just... Uh, what What's the term or the phrase that they always use? Like, you could just... Let out the gas. I can't even think of it off the top of my head. But you can basically just blow your arm dead as a reliever. Like you could just come out, and just throw gas every time. You can empty the tank. That's the phrase I was looking for. I don't even know what I was saying. But you can empty the empty the tank as as a reliever. As a starter, though, you gotta come in. You gotta pace yourself. Feel like I'm trying to make it at least five innings. I'm trying to give the bullpen a rest. But when you're bringing Caleb Smith in that sixth inning with uh you know maybe one out, maybe a guy on first, and you're like Caleb Smith, go pound that strike zone. He can get the job done. so for 2.1 million dollar price tag a lefty specialist if that's how the d-backs are gonna employ him then i think he's a good bargain i think the d-back should bring him back for 2022 now the other man the other c name that i want to talk about is christian walker 2.7 million dollar price tag and though he's 30 this is his first time going through arbitration and this is someone who had a completely uh forgettable season a completely uncharacteristic season because christian walker was one of the best power hitting players on the d backs in 2019 2020 29 home runs 2019 really helping replace that paul Goldschmidt production 73 ribbies 2020 only seven home runs and 34 rbis but all the hard hit numbers all the advanced stats that tell you hard hit and hard contact and hard contact rate all that jazz all the numbers still said Christian Walker's right there with what he did in 2019. When you look at the advanced hard contact numbers, but in 2020, those numbers fell off a map. He was not the same in the power depo- in the power department. Did not have the same slugging he had previously, and part of that. Is because he was just hurt in 2021. He had an oblique injury, an oblique strain, of course. Oblique, that's right in your tummy area. When you're swinging, it's all oblique. It's a lot of that oblique. I'm doing it now on camera for people who are watching the YouTube stream it's tough if you're christian walker trying to turn if you're a power guy it's not like christian walker is a high 300s kind of guy with the batting average where it's like all right he's just a solid contact hitter and i know even with this strain he's gonna put good word good wood on the ball no christian walker is like a 265 kind of a hitter who can put a good barrel to the ball but if he does that, he wants it to be in the gap or he wants it to leave the yard. It's not there just trying to get singles and things like that. So Christian Walker, that oblique strain definitely messed up his season. And even though it did, added 244, not very good. 696 OPS, that's not very good. 88 OPS plus. The numbers, 10 home runs. I mean, some of the numbers are still there, but 106 strikeouts. He at least had a 0.6 war as a player, but The biggest reason why Christian Walker needs to come back is because the D-backs can use him as a trade asset. I believe a contender could look at a Christian Walker, look at that potential $3 million, $2.7 million price tag and say, Hey, he's the perfect guy uh, of what I need in my lineup as a power slugging first baseman. Assuming the power comes back next season, I think a team would want him at the trade deadline and When I look at the potential replacements for a Christian Walker by the D-backs, I mean, it's a Pavin Smith who right now probably can't be a first baseman because he just doesn't have the power. I don't mind him as maybe a corner outfielder, but he needs to get better offensively to be a full-time first baseman than Seth Beer. Seth Beer... He needs to be a DH, according to everyone who has anything to say about Seth Beer. It sounds like this guy defensively just cannot hold up on the major league level. So I'm not sure if he's ready to man first base. So the D-backs kind of need a Christian Walker uh, for next season to man first. And maybe if this team is below 500, once again, at the trade deadline, they try to move him for, you know, maybe the worst prospect in someone else's organization for another Caleb Smith type, someone who just likes to walk and give up home runs. But either way. $2.7 million million price tag for Christian Walker is not expensive at all and I'm hoping the D-backs bring him back for 2022. Now we're going to be talking about Noah Noah Ramirez and JB Wendelkin in the third segment today but So we're going to continue with the pod and look at segment number three today because we got Noah Ramirez and J.B. Wendelkin as two arbitration-eligible relievers for the D-backs. So Ramirez, he's looking at a $1.8 million price tag, and this guy was basically stolen by the D-backs. He was released by the Angels in the middle of the year. Like, the Angels, what's been their big knock on them, their organization over the last 10 years? They can't find pitching, so what did they do? Cut Ramirez, who ended up being a godsend for the D-backs. And this is someone who was super versatile for the Angels. He started, I think, seven games back in 2019. He's been with them for the last three and a half years. And he's just been a guy throughout his career that it's just – A steady Eddie, like his worst ERA is like a uh, a four five four, and his best ERA is like a two one six. Like this guy's usually in between a four five and a two one, usually around a three, most likely. And he's just steady. He has struck out batters consistently above average, and he doesn't walk a ton of batters either which is the which the d-backs desperately need because too many of their relievers just walk too much and put guys on on the bases and, and clock up the bases but when you look at what miras did with the d-backs in 2021 nothing short sure phenomenal i mean he pitched in 36 games 32 innings pitched he had an 0 2 record, which I don't really care about record, but he finished six games. That's the important thing. He was available for the end of games and he was productive, effective, and efficient at the end of games. One save, a 276 ERA in a D back's uniform. 276. One of the only reliable relievers for the D backs out of the bullpen. 348 FIP, the best in his career. So the numbers actually tell you heading into next season. Ramirez might be on the upswing. There actually might be positive regression for Ramirez. I mean, he can't get better than 276 ERA, but if he's somewhere around that, if he gives you a 348 ERA next season, you will be pretty happy. He only allowed 18 hits this season, 10 earned runs, 11 walks, and 29 strikeouts. Posted best hits per nine innings allowed and strikeouts per nine innings allowed in the last three years. So Ramirez as a player, might be on the up and up. We've seen him start a few games as a starter for the Angels in the past. He's pretty good in high leverage moments. He can finish games for you. He can save games for you in a pinch. And someone that's versatile like that, the D-backs need to keep around because if you look at other guys in their bullpen, we're going to be talking about another one who should be coming back to the D-backs again next season. But You look around that bullpen, there's not too many trustworthy guys. I'm not sure if a Tyler Clipper is coming back or Manitipoli. I don't know what's going on on with a lot of the bullpen relievers. And you look at that price tag, projected price tag for Ramirez, $1.8 million. If you're telling me the D-backs could bring back their best reliever from last season for less than $2 million, potentially, I think they have to do it. He's a journeyman, but he's still only in his early 30s. Ramirez... I'll see you back in the D-backs uniform in 2022. Now, the next guy I want to talk about, J.B. Wendelkin, $900,000 projected salary in arbitration. So not even that much. And this is someone, again, claimed in the middle of the summer in the August from the Oakland A's. And he actually became pretty important for the D-backs down the stretch. He became a reliable reliever and actually kind of became the team's closer down the stretch. First time entering arbitration, and he's gonna be someone that is not gonna get a lot of money in arbitration. He might make less than a million dollars in arbitration. And that should be the reason right there the D backs bringing back. But let me give you some numbers at least to back up the reason why Wendelkin and that nine hundred thousand dollar nine hundred thousand dollar salary is a bargain because he only gave up. Runs in five of his 20 outings with the D backs in 2021. He finished nine games. A 434 ERA is not great. Some of his, you know, traditional numbers, I don't love. 434 ERA, 6.3 strikeouts per nine. I would like to see that raise. It's 4.3 walks per nine. It's a little, it's pretty high for me. I mean, let's be honest, it's pretty high. 4.62 FIP. That's not very good either, but he's still only going to be 29 years old. Hit a 386. 386 ERA and he allowed 4 earned runs over 9 innings pitched in save situations. So this guy was pretty good as a potential closer. The D-backs still don't have a closer so entering 2022, Wendelkin could be in the mix. His OPS against was actually better in high leverage moments than low leverage moments. 710 OPS against in high leverage, 758 OPS against in low leverage. So this is a guy who Actually gets better with his back against the wall. If you look at his pitching arsenal, he's got a medley of pitches. 50% of the time he throws a fastball, 24% of the time slider, 14% sinker, 10% changeup, and 2.5% curveball. And his fastball sits in the mid-90s. Sits in the mid-90s, so he's got a nice five-pitch arsenal. Mid-90s fastball. He's in his late 20s, so this should be the prime of his career. His numbers support that he's good in save situations. That right there is a tongue twister his number support, he's good in save situations, and his OPS is better against him in high leverage than low leverage, so because he's good in the clutch, because he's good late in games, the D-backs should bring back a man that's only costing them potentially $900,000, that is nothing for a team that desperately needs bullpen help, so JB Wendelkin, you're another guy, I'll be happy to see you in a D-backs uniform in 2022. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Of course, thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you. Please go make Locked On MLB Prospects your second listen today with my good friend Arm Leon. He hasn't responded to me yet but i did hit him hit him up earlier in the day to potentially come on as a guest later in the week to break down the top prospects in the d-backs organization from this past year so hopefully arm lane hits me up go go destroy his dms and mentions and let him know at Creator thomas 24 has been hitting you up and wants you on the pod this way he can get the message if he hasn't checked his dm already so Please go blow up Armley and Twitter. Go listen to his pod, Locked on MLB Prospect. And of course, please, as always, the best you can. Just stay safe and stay healthy. Please, please, please. I know it's tough. I know we're in a pandemic and the holidays are coming, but stay safe the best you can out there. Deuces!